Chapter 30 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains, by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Plentiful Hunting Camp, Shoshone Hunters, Hobax River, Mad River, Encampment Near the Pilot Knobs, A Consultation, Preparations for a Perilous Voyage. Five days were passed by Mr. Hunt and his companions in the fresh meadows watered by the bright little mountain stream. The hunters made great havoc among the buffaloes, and brought in quantities of meat. The voyageurs busied themselves about the fires, roasting and stewing for present purposes, or drying provisions for the journey. The pack-horses, eased of their burdens, rolled on the grass, or grazed at large, about the ample pasture, those of the party who had no call upon their services indulged in the luxury of perfect relaxation, and the camp presented a picture of rude feasting and revelry, of mingled bustle and repose, characteristic of a halt in a fine hunting country. In the course of one of their excursions some of the men came in sight of a small party of Indians, who instantly fled in great apparent consternation. They immediately retreated to camp with the intelligence upon which mr hunt and four others flung themselves upon their horses and sallied forth to reconnoitre after riding for about eight miles they came upon a wild mountain scene a lonely green valley stretched before them surrounded by rugged heights a herd of buffalo were careering madly through it with a troop of savage horsemen in full chase plying them with their bows and arrows the appearance of mr hunt and his companions put an abrupt end to the hunt the buffalo scuttled off in one direction, while the Indians plied their lashes and galloped off in another as fast as their steeds could carry them. Mr. Hunt gave chase. There was a sharp scamper, though of short continuance. Two young Indians, who were indifferently mounted, were soon overtaken. They were terribly frightened, and evidently gave themselves up for lost. By degrees their fears were allayed by kind treatment but they continued to regard the strangers with a mixture of awe and wonder, for it was the first time in their lives they had ever seen a white man. They belonged to a party of snakes, who had come across the mountains on their autumnal hunting excursion to provide buffalo meat for the winter. Being persuaded of the peaceful intentions of Mr. Hunt and his companions, they willingly conducted them to their camp. It was pitched in a narrow valley on the margin of a stream, the tents were of dressed skins some of them fantastically painted with horses grazing about them the approach of the party caused a transient alarm in the camp for these poor indians were ever on the lookout for cruel foes no sooner however did they recognize the garb and complexion of their visitors than their apprehensions were changed into joy for some of them had dealt with white men and knew them to be friendly and to abound with articles of singular value they welcomed them therefore to their tents set food before them and entertained them to the best of their power they had been successful in their hunt and their camp was full of jerked buffalo meat all of the choicest kind and extremely fat mr hunt purchased enough of them in addition to what had been killed and cured by his own hunters to load all the horses excepting those reserved for the partners and the wife of pierre dorian he found also a few beaver skins in their camp for which he paid liberally as an inducement to them to hunt for more informing them that some of his party intended to live among the mountains and trade with the native hunters for their peltries 
the poor snakes soon comprehended the advantages thus held out to them and promised to exert themselves to procure a quantity of beaver skins for future traffic being now well supplied with provisions mr hunt broke up his encampment on the twenty fourth of september and continued on to the west a march of fifteen miles over a mountain ridge brought them to a stream about fifty feet in width which hoback one of their guides who had trapped about the neighborhood when in the service of mr henry recognized for one of the headwaters of the columbia the travellers hailed it with delight as the first stream they had encountered tending toward their point of destination they kept along it for two days during which from the contribution of many rills and brooks it gradually swelled into a small river as it meandered among rocks and precipices they were frequently obliged to ford it and such was its rapidity that the men were often in danger of being swept away sometimes the banks advanced so close upon the river that they were obliged to scramble up and down their rugged promontories or to skirt along their bases where there was scarce a foothold their horses had dangerous falls in some of these passes one of them rolled with his load nearly two hundred feet downhill into the river but without receiving any injury at length they emerged from these stupendous defiles and continued for several miles along the bank of hoback's river through one of the stern mountain valleys here it was joined by a river of greater magnitude and swifter current and their united waters swept off through the valley in one impetuous stream which from its rapidity and turbulence had received the name of the mad river at the confluence of these streams the travellers encamped an important point in their arduous journey had been attained a few miles from their camp rose the three vast snowy peaks called the tetons or the pilot knobs the great landmarks of the columbia by which they had shaped their course through this mountain wilderness by their feet flowed the rapid current of mad river a stream ample enough to admit of the navigation of canoes and down which they might possibly be able to steer their course to the main body of the columbia the canadian voyageurs rejoiced at the idea of once more launching themselves upon their favorite element of exchanging their horses for canoes and of gliding down the bosoms of rivers instead of scrambling over the backs of mountains others of the party also inexperienced in this kind of travelling considered their toils and troubles as drawing to a close they had conquered the chief difficulties of this great rocky barrier and now flattered themselves with the hope of an easy downward course for the rest of their journey little did they dream of the hardships and perils by land and water which were yet to be encountered in the frightful wilderness that intervened between them and the shores of the pacific End of chapter thirty